Welcome to Norm, a Cheers podcast. We are co-hosting a weekly discussion of the television show Cheers, which aired on NBC from 1982 to 1993. We are your hosts, Marlene Stimmy and Andy Blaker. How's it going, Andy? Hey, Marlene. How are you? It's going good. I'm doing well, too. Thank you. We are going to be discussing episode seven of the second season of Cheers, and the title of that is Old Flames. It's written by David Angel, directed by James Burroughs, and it aired on November 17th, 1983. The episode summary is that Sam's old carousing buddy, Dave Richards, whom we met in season one, the sportscaster, comes to Cheers and assesses the, I would say, the, the unlikelihood of Sam and Diane's relationship. And he ends up betting them that they'll break up within 24 hours. And his main purpose in this is that he wants his, you know, old, you know, basically like womanizing buddy back, I guess, to go out with him. Uh, the, Dave's threat itself creates the strife that might be the undoing of Sam and Diane. And in other Cheers relationship news, Norm has started dating a woman named Arlene, and he stops by Cheers during breaks in their dates. So for our teaser, Norm enters the bar, comes into Cheers, asks for a beer, and he says that he went out for the first time since he and Vera split up. So we haven't heard too much about his split from Vera in the last few episodes. I think this is the first time it's come up in a little while, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, because I remember thinking, oh yeah, that's right. You know, he's we're mm-hmm. he's he's separated. I did too. I mean, I remembered it when he said it, but it was it wasn't something that was on my mind. So it seems like we've you know not addressed that in a while. Mm-hmm. But he's been going out with someone that he says was a typist at the law firm that had recently fired him. So he's out of a job and he's separated, but he's going out. It's not funny, but it sort of it is a little bit with Norm that he met this woman named Arlene Horsley and they went to the movies and they're discussing which movie they went to see. Norm says they went to see Gandhi. There's a little bit of a discussion about that. And so Norm finishes his beer and he starts to head back out and they're asking like, you know, what are you doing? Where are you going? He has to rejoin Arlene who's still at the theater watching Gandhi. So Norm has just come to the bar <laughs> during the popcorn break and he said he'd be back for the next break to get Jujubees, I think was what he said. Mm-hmm. I had a few things that I thought were fun and interesting about the teaser. What did you think of it? Um, yeah, I did too. Um, several levels I thought this worked on. I guess I always find with, with these sort of sitcoms, I kind of gauge a little bit of, of how, the, um, how a joke works or how something works with how the audience laughs, right? Okay. Um, and I'm, that probably is not the best barometer. So first we have the woman's name, Arlene Horsley. And as soon as he says that, they start laughing. Did you notice yeah. that? Yeah, like, I did. And I don't know. I think because of her name, Horsley. Mm-hmm. I'm not it's sure. It's a funny name. Uh, it's it is funny. funny. For Norm to I mean, say it too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, uh, so yeah, she, she was a typist where he had gotten fired from. And he says something like, they hit it off when he shared a piece of pizza with her or something. A, a very mm-hmm. norm kind of situation that would have happened. And, you know, he, he's, he's just kind of shrugging like, and we hit it off from there, you know? <laughs> right. So his whole reaction there. And then, yeah, the way he talks so, like, nonchalant about, yeah, we went we went to see Gandhi. Well, actually, you know, <laughs> she's still there. That's where I'm supposed to be, you know. <laughs> Just right. nothing to the fact that he walked however far to get popcorn and he'll be back. So, yeah, there's a lot of levels on of humor in this one. And mm-hmm. I, I really like this teaser. This was a good one. I, yeah, I, I really do, too. I think... You know, it's Norm having a date and all of that is interesting and funny enough. It's a timely inclusion of Gandhi. Because I think Gandhi came out, I want to say it was 1982. Mm-hmm. So Pretty I think new. it was. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, and I mean, that's a movie that most people have heard of, even if they haven't seen it. I think it won the Best Picture Academy Award. Mm -hmm. So it would have still been out and about and in the public conscious consciousness. And then it's one that even now I think most people are that know anything about movies or cinema have like heard of or seen or you know have some mm -hmm. familiarity with it. So it's not like just some movie that came out that year that they happened to mention that was a part of pop culture. You know, right. it's something that's kind of lasted and makes it you know it makes sense and be funny today. And then also just the joke about the length of the movie. It's not like they went <laughs> to see some <laughs> just like right. two hour right. rom com or something yeah. like that. You know. They're in the middle of Gandhi. So you could you could probably out. you could walk to the bar and back a few times probably while watching. Oh Gandhi. yes, <laughs> yeah. I think it wasn't it like four hours or something. I, I don't remember, think, but it was I, like an epic. It is very long of right? epic I, length. I, I think so. people know that even without having seen it, you can just assume yeah, that something like that would I'm, be very long. I've only seen scenes from it. I've actually never seen the whole thing. But that's what I, I mean. I that's what I'm saying. Like I know about it. I've always known of it, and that mm -hmm. it's a you know this sort of epic movie of epic length so Absolutely. i thought that was a really great inclusion well let's look it That's up here long. i'll tell you exactly how long it is we got okay. you know we know the facts here uh, yeah. 191 minutes so that is it's over a little yeah, over, over three hours three hours so yeah okay. but yeah long movie especially for it's the time substantial yeah. yes exactly yeah do we want to go ahead and cover norm's story a little bit later because i think there's only one more instance of it as i recall and it's something very similar. I think they're asking, the guys are asking Norm, you know, if he's seen Arlene. Basically, the gist of it is that he's on, he's in the middle of another date with her and she's still on the date and he's gone out to the bar and will be rejoining the date in progress. Except this time he can't remember where the date is, you know. Yeah. And yeah, we can we can talk about that because, like I said, the, the again the, the predominant plot takes up so much of the episode. Um, yeah. And yeah, that is the only other scene. I really like that scene though because it, where it's placed in there, it, it's a little bit of levity, you know, yes. to the to the plot, which is starting to get pretty melodramatic and, and heavy. Uh -huh. um, uh -huh. But yeah, he's at the bar just having his having his beer and. Um, Coach says, you know, why wonders why he isn't with Arlene tonight. And he's like, oh, shoot, you know, and he, and he gets <laughs> right. up. He and he literally, he literally runs out, I mean, runs for, for Norm running, yes. you know, he, he does a Norm run, okay? And and he's running out there very hurried. And it was, I, that was a great scene, you know, he's just like mm -hmm. grabbing it. I think he grabs his beer or something and, and runs. And yeah, he can't remember where they went. He said, I, I think we're at the circus or no, that's that's it's Monday like night. Tomorrow. Somewhere yeah. with a balcony. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i that was i i like how they brought that back at that at that moment with everything else going on in the main storyline it, it worked really mm -hmm. well yeah i thought so too and it was just a little bit of funny humor it's still relationship humor but it's like entirely the opposite of what's going on in the main plot because it's just levity you know he's out doing these fun things well i mean not that gandhi's necessarily fun but it's going to a movie you know right, right. and the, the, i guess what the circus or the carnival circus i think and so he seems to be doing a lot of fun things with this Arlene Horsley person, but coming into cheers and then just forgetting that he's on the dates with her at the same time. How much of a good time can he, can he be having then, right? I mean, if he, yeah. if he just, they go to do something and he's at the bar more often than not, but yeah. He's <laughs> like just, he's just he's doing always it. always going to be doing that though. Right, you know? exactly. Like with, exactly. With his marriage. I mean, he, you know, when he was married, but he was always at cheers late at night and so mm -hmm. forth. So he's not necessarily... You know, you think he'd change if it's a newer relationship, but he's not going to. He's no. just going to be Norm. That's <laughs> he's right. Going to go on all these dates, but That's he's going right. to just take a break and head over to Cheers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, so I really enjoyed that teaser and that little storyline. We start the episode with Sam and Diane coming in, they kiss, Carla gags, you know, and they were kissing at the beginning of the episode two, two episodes ago um, in Sumner's Return, so this is, we're getting the sense this is a frequent sight at Cheers and that no one is quite so fond of the public displays of affection. And Diane goes in this whole description of the wonderful afternoon that she and Sam have had gallery hunting. You know, Norm is asking Sam if he lost a bet, and Diane says something like, Mr. Malone is on his way to developing an appreciation of non-representational art. Mm-hmm. Which is like, she sounds like his teacher. <laughs> yeah, she does. It, it sounds extremely condescending, like she's going to mm-hmm. pat him on the head or something and say, he's doing such a good job, you know? He's coming along. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then we have this exchange when Carla is like, you know, telling Sam, like, name any piece of art you saw today. And then she tells him to name any piece of art in the world. And there's a bet going on. It looks like Cliff and Norm are betting a dollar. Cliff bets a dollar that Sam can do it, and Norm takes him on. And here we have Sam thinking for a moment, and then he says, Michelangelo's two muscular guys touching fingers. (laughs) (laughs) Which, Hmm. I like that. I like that answer. Because on the one hand, it sounds kind of dumb, two muscular guys touching fingers. Although that is what that painting looks like. But yeah. also he knows that it's Michelangelo, so there's a little bit of awareness of the art world there. Right, you know? right. But Diane is, like, just so disappointed that that was mm-hmm. what his response is, that he does not know the name of that painting. Right. And she's just, yeah. Or anything else they've seen on this whole day that she mm-hmm. said was so wonderful. So, yeah, he seems like he's maybe just, you know, as we would expect, gone along with it because she wanted to. And then we have a scene when Cliff is talking about Diane going against eons of biology and trying to domesticate Sam. So he's, you know, this wild, undomesticatable creature. Cliff talks about how men have been hunters and doers and so forth. And so this whole spiel about the difference between men and women. And when he's talking about men being doers, Norm kind of groans behind him. And reports that his, his shorts, I guess his underwear is twisted. And he's just waiting for it to self-correct. He's going to give it five minutes. <laughs> so weird. It's a little weird to speak that out loud, I guess. But he's subverting this paradigm that Cliff is constructing. So right. It's right. funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she's just, like, disgusted. She walks away. She's just like, she, what did she say? Like, the level of of talk or whatever in this bar is just could not be any lower i think yes she says. yeah and at that moment <laughs> dave richards walks in dave yeah. he's back he's, he greets her with like hiya wonder buns or something like that you know just to prove that the conversation was not at basement level just yet right right mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then so the guy oh, were you gonna say something no, I was just gonna. So we, yeah, we got Dave Richards back. We saw him mm-hmm. in um, that was season one, right? When we first met him. Yes. Okay. Yes, it was Sam at eleven. That's right, Sam at eleven. So Dave and him are are still obviously friends, you know, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> to uh, Diane's great pleasure. And um, <laughs> so I wanted to. I I was interested to see who played Dave Richards and saw that you know we see him another time, maybe another two times, I think. Um, Mm-hmm. in future seasons but this guy's actually a pretty big deal actor um i don't know if you know much about him but i i looked it up for and those who do bit. or do not care yeah. um, so yeah, we've no, got go for it. we've got uh, his name is fred dreyer now he was the star of a cop show 
a cop drama called Hunter. And mm-hmm. this ran from 1984, so that would have been pretty much right after this episode shot, um, this episode here in Cheers, 1984 to 1991. And um, I also noted that they did a series of TV films, and they actually did a series revival in 2003, which I thought was interesting oh, because it was yeah. quite a number of years before every other show that had ever aired of all time was going to be revived, right? So <laughs> <laughs> It before, was definitely before that era of revival it really was it was but that was arguably probably one of the first revivals honestly because that was 2003 he has a long he has a lot of credits to his name and one thing i just glanced through it he has a long history of playing lawmen so officer this captain this lieutenant that you know so he's he that's a lot of the roles that he's probably been typecast in and that is the one that's most well known hunter um i've never Mm -hmm. seen the show but i have heard of it so it it looks like it, it became quite an international success actually um it looked like so anyway a little bit of background on Fred Dreyer. He's directed a little bit and written some stuff, and um, he's still working, actually. He's been in a number of recent oh, films. He? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he still is working. So just a little bit about him for you there. Yeah, that is interesting. I think we may have mentioned in Sam at 11 that he was one of the finalists for the role of Sam Malone. Oh, yes. I remember, I remember talking I, about that. You know, knowing Sam as he went along, I... I can't see Fred Dreyer playing that character. Like I can't see a Dave Richards being a Sam Malone, even though they're, they you know, clearly have a lot on the surface in common and so forth. So I think that's interesting too. This guy, he definitely mm-hmm. seems more suited to like playing cops. You know, he has yeah, that. He's, got, he's very tall. He's kind of got that and, look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, I thought it was interesting in the next part when Dave comes in. The guys at the bar, Norman Cliff and everybody, they're happy. And Carla as well, they're happy to see Dave. But they seem to realize that he's dumb. <laughs> you know, and two episodes ago, we had this whole discussion about whether or not Sam is dumb. But, and, and you know, like, and saying that he's not. But, I mean, I think Dave really is, and I think that they know that. Mm-hmm. So, right. they seem, is fond, or no, I guess I don't even know if they're fond of him. I think they just like him because he's a celebrity. And, I mean, he's friendly, even if he's a little bit, or a lot of bit crass, you know. Yeah. But Norm asks him how Dave, asks Dave how he ended his show the night before. And Dave goes into that kind of voice that we heard a little bit in the last episode that he was in, that sort of mm-hmm. like deeper, you know, sports report voice. And he says, the world is full of winners and losers. Here's hoping you're one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and then Norm quietly says, I guess I did hear it right. And yeah. Cliff passes money to him. So they must have made a bet on Dave's comment as well. Because, you know, earlier they'd made the bet on whether Sam could name any piece of art in the world. And so I assume Cliff won that bet and handed money to Cliff. Like, I didn't see that, but I assume that's what happened because they were making a bet on it. And so Mm -hmm. then this time, you know, Cliff passes money back to Norm. So I just, I like that, that idea that these things are going on probably all the time in the background between the two of them. Right, right. Yeah, so then we have this whole thing. Dave's telling Sam that he and someone named Brenda have split and he wants Sam to go out, essentially woman, woman chasing with him. So they're having this discussion, Dave and Sam, are having a discussion on quantity and quality of evenings out, <laughs> let's say. <laughs> and Norm asks if they've ever had quantity and quality at the same time. You know, so they're sort of getting into this discussion of their, you know, I guess like what Dave, a little bit later Dave says that Sam is a bigger hound than he is with women. So that makes Sam the biggest hound of all time. So. <laughs> They're enjoying their memories of this. Mm-hmm. And 
it gets him excited enough that he is wanting to go or willing to go with Dave on this like evening escapade to chase the women of Boston. And he kind of forgets himself and starts to leave with Dave. And then he sees Diane from the first that he's actually dating Diane. And at some point in this, Sam feigns that he's having blackouts. He's like, I must have just blacked out. I was just behind the bar. <laughs> and Coach says, like, it's kind of a nice break in the day, isn't it, Sam? <laughs> I wrote that down. I really like that line. Just the way he says it, like, like he's got his, I, I don't know if it's actually true, but it's like he has his hand, his his head cradled in his arm. And he's like, it's kind of a nice break in the day, isn't it? Like, uh-huh. he just slices about it. Yeah, I like that line. <laughs> I do, too. It's just kind of, he says it very matter-of-factly. And it is, it's a good explanation. Like he sort of steps aside from his own reality sometimes, which we know that he does. But the fact that he's like, you know, we refer to that as a blackout or that he has blackouts. It's a nice break in the day. Right. And it does sound appealing, stepping away from reality when, when he explains it that way. There's a whole thing. Dave comes back and Sam says like, there's no way I'm going to make it to the aquarium with you today. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and Diane says she knows you're going trollop hunting. So there's a whole thing about was it Dave says to Sam if he and the human brain have something going so Sam is saying kind of and he's saying definitely doesn't really want to admit that and it's not completely dissimilar to Diane denying Sam to Sumner two episodes ago except that you know I would say that Diane pretty much outright lied and Sam is just equivocating but they're both drawn to sort of these these previous worlds I guess or like the previous you know friendships and relationships habits what have you Mm -hmm. Sam's defending the relationship and he said Dave says sorry Dave says that he's going to come back when they're split up that he just wants his buddy back basically and at some point in this Diane calls Dave David David that's all changed now (laughs) and do you remember what Dave said to that he says you cannot give an old leopard new stripes oh yeah (laughs) that's right yeah yeah and he's going to break them up he says he can break them up in 24 hours and then Diane, you know, this is a challenge. She says to Sam that Dave can give him 24 hours or 24 years. We have transcended time. <laughs> and I, do, I, I wonder why she thinks that they've transcended time. Like, what about this relationship? You know, they've gone from, like, her irritation that he doesn't know any of the art they saw that morning to mm-hmm. we have transcended transcended time. Oh, my gosh. Well, it, yeah. She just the, – the expectations that – she puts on this on him on the relationship it's just unreal i know i know and sam is just concerned about the next 24 hours so he's is actually worried while she's talking about transcending time so already complete opposites there Mm -hmm. and they fight about not going 24 hours without a fight so it's (laughs) almost like they're following dave's plan for them to break up you know right and so dave comes back again every time he comes back something else happens and so he's only provoking a little, but it's creating this big, almost like a conflagration between Sam and Diane. He comes back to ask for a woman's phone number, which Sam gets out of his little black book behind the bar. And then we have the, you know, the reaction shot of Norman Cliff <laughs> seeing the book <laughs> and being sort of, I don't even know how to describe it. They're just in awe of it, I guess. Right. Yeah. And then, of course, this sets Diane off. She wants to know why he still has the book when he's with her. And she says it's his address book. He has emergency numbers in this. And so Diane, I thought this was a funny Diane moment. She like flips it open and asks what emergency service does Wanda Mendelssohn render? (laughs) (laughs) And then Sam says she's an all night plumber. Yeah. I I believe after that, Carla has some line about how she's the only plumber 
that you have to go to her house. Mm-hmm. She did. She said <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. 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 So they have this exchange about getting rid of the book and Diane's handing the book to Cliff, who, I mean, Cliff just reacts like he is, you know, opened the Ark of the Covenant almost. <laughs> his reaction. and then the cliff you touched it and cliff is going on but i can see normie i can walk (laughs) make a big production and kind of like stumble to the back i thought that was really entertaining and it seems like everybody in the bar even if they you know whether they were in character or not found that really right the extras really enjoyed that yeah it's like (laughs) right it's entertainment for the extras so we have this entire thing about the book. Now, what did you make of this? This whole thing about how Diane saying it's a wonderful gesture to her if he would destroy the book and then his resistance, all of these things. I guess I could see, you know, he, he claims this is his address book, but, you know, we've seen this book before. She's seen this book before. It's obviously his lists of contacts slash conquests, right? right? I mean, that's, that's, it's an open secret, you know, and that's why um, Norm and Cliff are, you know, kind of fawning over it and everything. Yeah. So I'm kind of, I guess I'm a little more on Diane's side in, in this in terms mm. of, I don't know if he necessarily destroying it seems a little you know whatever but the fact that i i could see how she would be upset that he still has it it's awfully presumptuous presumptive of her of course given that they've only been going together for a very short while you know right. and, and he should somehow banish any woman from his past you know from from whatever but i guess i could see it does she doesn't seem completely unreasonable in my view by her yeah. being bought I could see her being bothered by the book and the fact that he obviously, you know, has kept it and everything. I agree. I, I, I agree about it. I don't know. I can see her side for a while and I can kind of see maybe his, not his side in terms of saying it's an address book. I don't know. I just don't think Sam should have to get rid of it. And I don't like the idea of the book. Diane or no Diane, I don't like the idea of the book. But I don't necessarily think that Diane should affect that decision after a few months of dating him. I agree. I mean, it's definitely the timing of it. If this were something years down the road and they'd been together all that time, I could see yeah. that. But in this, yeah, I mean, they've only been together for a short while. And, you know, it, it is an address book, right? I mean, yeah. it, it, the fact that she lets it bother her so much is just more evidence of how insecure they are with each other, right? That's and true. how. Yes how volatile and sensitive that relationship is, um, mm-hmm. which again, we've seen to this point, it's not surprising. So yeah, again, I, I can see it from her side, but I also can see it from his side. So yeah. I think timing has a lot to do with it. And the fact that they're still a new couple, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's off, awfully, you know, presumptive that she's gonna, you know, he's just going to burn it or whatever. So. Right. And I think what you said too, about the expectations that she puts on him and on the relationship that she just thinks that of course he's going to get rid of this book because he has her now and they've transcended time. So he would never want anything to do with this again. And if I were Diane, but I don't know, because if I were Diane in her position, it's not, I mean, it's, it's an address book, but it's not really an address book. Like nobody in the bar responds to it. Like it's an address book, you know, and it's right there in the bar. It's not like he just happens to have it somewhere and hasn't gotten rid of it. Like it's prom- not, I wouldn't say prominent, but it comes up. Like you said, like people know that it's there. Dave comes back to get the woman's phone number and so forth. So I could see Diane feeling somewhat insecure about it maybe, but I still don't think that he should have to get rid of it. 
because like what you said about the timing and just the nature of that relationship. But I don't think there's a right answer. I, I think agree. That's interesting too. Yeah. And then after, and I don't, I don't know that her insults to him, because she insults him on his intelligence, really, I'm going to say somewhat unprovoked. She makes like three comments about him being stupid during this scene. And at that point, I was like, well, I, I wouldn't get rid of the book after she's talking to me like this. <laughs> but I don't know that that's a great reason either, you know. But yeah, so Sam says he's keep, keeping the book. And at this point, Dave sticks his head in the door. And so Sam and Diane kind of pretend that they're not fighting but why was was he standing there the whole time like that just didn't make sense to me and it's probably immaterial but i just didn't understand why he was like waiting to pop his head back in yeah that moment i i think he's just i mean he's obviously the antagonist here you know yeah, he, he knows true. that what they've got or he he really believes that it's not gonna not gonna have staying power so i think mm -hmm. he probably was sticking around to you know, stir the pot as he's doing. Provoke, yep. Yeah. Carla, of course, is excited that Sam and Diane are fighting, but she just wishes it was because of her. Yep. <laughs> and then Sam is talking, like, maybe he and Diane don't belong together. And Coach jumps in and says, like, oh, I love Sam. Who can explain it? Fools have tried. And then he says, I have a theory. <laughs> jumps right <laughs> into it. The next little bit is also Carla and Coach. And this is not so much connected to the episode either, but I think it's, a you know, again, another little comic moment that they added this routine about coach's keys you know he's going to take carla home and she's asking if he's left his keys and he's like no you know i've left him before so he leaves them in the car but she's asked like how he knows it won't be stolen or whatever he locks the door this whole thing and he has another set of keys in the bar that he almost left but then he mm -hmm. finds out he's you know like left the windows down on his car <laughs> just none of it makes any sense it's like a it's almost like a rube goldberg you know mechanism to get these keys into the car mm -hmm. making it as complicated as possible. I don't know. Right. I thought that that, but it was a good sort of like coach, you know, it's, moment. Yeah. Of it, it's funny for, for what you get with, with coach as a character. I mean, yeah. you know, I always enjoy him as I've said plenty of times with this. So mm -hmm. even if it, you know, falls a little bit flat, it, I can still find it amusing. Yeah. So yeah, Sam and Diane still there for the evening and, Sam is trying to figure out if Diane is not talking to him. And she says, I hate you with the white hat intensity of a thousand suns. <laughs> so again, with the hyperbole there. Mm -hmm. um, and then Sam kind of sings, somebody's cranky, you know. So I felt like he responded with good humor to that. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a whole thing. He's going to like rip up a couple pages of the book, but not all of them and whatnot. You know, so Diane leaves. And then we have this bit of Dave coming in with the two women, and he wants Sam to take one off of his hands. And he says, like, just to see that she gets home, that Dee Dee gets home. Oh, and the other one, doesn't he say, was it Angela maybe? Thinks that he's complex or something mm -hmm. like that. Like, he's very yeah. excited. This woman yeah. thought he was complex. So this was, you know, Dave is setting Sam up, of course, but Sam wants to call a cab for this woman, for Dee Dee. And then we get into this discussion when Dee Dee tells Sam that Dave said he was a fun guy. I feel like it was that part that broke Sam. Not necessarily that she was just this beautiful, willing woman, but mm -hmm. when he says, like, Dave said he was a fun guy, because he's like, I used to be fun and so forth. And he's like, you know what? I'm even more fun, basically, is the thing. But I thought it was the implication that he's no longer fun that gets him back into this previous behavior in, like, with the woman. What did, you, what did you think of that? Because he wasn't like, oh, she's really hot. I'm going to take her home. It's like, I'm not fun anymore. I'd, I'd agree with that. I think that was when, you know, he, he seemed like he was pretty resistant to her and he was doing pretty well. And then yeah. it was, you know, you know, Dave said you were fun, a fun guy. 
I think he does kind of start thinking about, you know, the old days and lost youth and, you know, on and on. And, and I, it probably does hit him like that. So, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I agree. I think that was supposed to be the turning point for him thinking about that. It's got a little bit more to it, I guess, than him just being like, oh, she's really attractive. I can't resist. It's like that mm-hmm. lost past life or whatever. So Diane comes in and she actually wants to apologize for like one second. She says she wants to apologize to Sam for making a big deal about the book. But then she kind of goes on complaining about Sam being insensitive and coach keeps nodding through all of this. And then when she's finished, she picks up the phone and answers cheers. And then Carla is like, no, no, no. The ringing is the ringing is in your head. Like the phone didn't actually ring, <laughs> which I thought was great. Yeah, it was great. I also have to say, I like the color of Diane's dress that she was wearing. I thought that was like an unusual choice for her. It was like a maroon purple. Mm-hmm. So and we don't often mention that, but I noticed that I liked it. Yeah. You know, Sam comes in very excited. He's excited about something he has to tell Diane. And she's she's sort of apologizing to him. And he's like, oh, it's all right. You know, and then at this point, the phone really does ring. And Cliff tells Coach and Coach says it's all in his head. <laughs> well, we, then we head back to the office with Sam and Diane. So Sam is recounting this story. And this is another one of those scenes when they're just so at odds, not just like their interests. Like we started at the beginning of the episode with the art museum and all these things, but also just their interpretations, I would say, of life, you know, because Sam is excited. He was telling her how he had Dee Dee back in his apartment. They were in bed and he stopped because he thought about Diane and how much she means to him. And he's just very pleased with himself because he says he's never said no to a woman before <laughs> and how what is it, like there's not a man in the world who say no to her and not many women either. I'll mm-hmm. tell you that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which for 1983 is even funnier. I think the way he says it is just kind of funny, but Diane is just horrified and she spits on him and he doesn't understand why she's so upset, you know, <laughs> And he even says that they were as good as broken up at that time, you know, and Diane is like, no, we are broken up, basically. But she's horrified. He still doesn't get why he should not be, like, if not congratulated, she should at least be pleased by this, you know, behavior. Mm -hmm. He did not have sex with this woman because he thought about Diane and their relationship and so forth. What did you make of that? A difference in interpretation or any of it. I actually wrote this down I, I, as, as a note. I said, in in what world did he think that this was going to be go over well? I mean, really, exactly. what part of this did you, you know, you're you're, you're just like, well, we, we were in bed and, you know, and I stopped. <laughs> like, it's like, like you, you went all the way to that point, you know, and, and you're right. being kind of vague for, for what you're getting at. And so, uh-huh. yeah, I don't know. Of course, it would be received badly by anybody. By anybody. So, yeah. I, by I, anybody. And yeah. I would say particular Diane, but I think like anybody would anybody. respond poorly to that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sam thinks it's like one small step for him in the right direction. And, and, and how he, you know, he kind of, in that moment, he is very, he claims, you know, oh, you've done this to me. You know, it's supposed to, in his warped mind here, you know, he's thinking, oh, this will, she'll receive this. She'll see that this is a sign that we're meant to be together and whatever. But mm-hmm. it is really very egotistical, you know, when you think oh, about oh, it. Yeah. Like, I yeah. had the power. I said no. I, I, you know, I resisted. And it's, it's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> and that anybody else wouldn't have. He's like, well, there are a lot of people that would not have been in that situation in the first place. <laughs> for one, yeah, you know? right. It's it's about the fact that what everything that led to that point. You know, you you mm-hmm. you would have had to take her to the hotel and up to the hotel room. You, 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 you at some point you would have well, thought his apartment. They went to his apartment. He didn't even take her back to his right, to right, her hotel. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like at some point in that entire process, the thought should have occurred to you sooner, right? Right. <laughs> you would right. Think. Before you're right. 
And at the end, you know, there's like the punchline when Dave even says, like, Didi said, you're the best kisser that she's ever had or whatever. Sam is like, he says, like, really? You know, like, while he's kissing Diane, like, oh, God, that's awful. And then, you know, it's like she bites his lip and he like, then he goes and like pulls out the golf club, which is mm. funny because he pulled out the golf club supposedly on Sumner two episodes ago. So <laughs> I thought that was a funny tie in. You know, I mean, that's like Sam's big flaw, I guess. It's like he expects people to be impressed by this behavior with women that is like not even really baseline, <laughs> you know, and not understanding why Diane is horrified by it. And then, of course, at this point, this is exactly what Dave had in mind, I think, and that Dave expected. Dave is standing outside when Diane says they're broken up. Sam is going into this whole thing again about how they have a good thing going. After all that, he still thinks they have a good thing going. And Dave, at this point, so, well, okay, so Dave says, you two, good thing going. I get along better with my wife and we've exchanged gunfire. (laughs) (laughs) Love that line. Love that line. Sam is telling Dave that like Diane's the best thing going. He's not going to let anything come between them. And Diane is just so sentimental about it. So she kind of, I don't know. I don't think that he was necessarily lying. Sam was or anything, but the fact that she is so still so taken in by sentiment after this real problem that she's had only moments before. I feel like that's problematic. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I agree. And then Dave says, Oh, puke. It's kind of how I felt about all of it. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And Sam refers to Diane as a little filly, and she finds it endearing. And again, like maybe this is when the, within the context of this relationship, you know, and they, you know, things that you don't necessarily want to hear from outside people if you know that person are more understandable or acceptable or whatever or are endearing. But again, like it's Diane, and she doesn't like to be referred to in those terms, and she makes a big point of that all the time. But yet somehow, Sam <laughs> saying that to Dave about her. Just mm-hmm. fills her with bliss, apparently, you know. Right. I thought, too, like, when Dave comes in at the beginning, he's this pretty reprehensible character. I mean, he's not, like, evil or anything like that, but you don't like him. He's an unlikable character. Mm-hmm. You know, he's intentionally trying to split up Sam and Diane. It's not so much that part. It's just his behavior in general, his behavior to women, and just he's dumb. But at the end of the episode, I'm kind of rooting for him. Rooting for him in the way that they're going to stay broken up? Well, just not so much that, but I feel like he's the sensible person when he comes into the office in that last scene. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, compared to those two, he is. He is. Yeah, I'm not rooting for like something like for them to stay broken up or for, you know, him to win anything in his, you know, bet to keep or to have them broken up in 24 hours, nothing like that. But just that he, like, he has some sense about what's going on. And the thing about it, and he's not taken in by this smoochy situation, I guess. I don't know. Right. No, I think that's um, fair. I mean, he's yeah. known Sam a long time, you know. And, and as he's saying earlier in the episode, you know, a, a leopard can't change its stripes, right? That's, <laughs> that's right. You know, and, and again, we're going through this episode by episode, so we don't know. But we do right. know. And because we've seen to this point, they obviously do have a rocky relationship. So I wonder how much of that is, you know, tied to what Dave says, you know, his his womanizing past. Can he really settle down and be happy with one woman? And Mm -hmm. would that woman be Diane? You know, so, I mean, it's it's it might be a little bit of foreshadowing, you know, and we're not going to know until we go farther along. But you're right. I mean, I think he is sensible and I think he does. I think he knows how to read people. And, yeah, he's he's very antagonistic in this episode and he's very, you know, smug and kind of an ass. But you do 
I, I hear what you're saying because yeah, he does seem to have a bit of foresight into the characters um, and doesn't really see them as a great, as a great fit. And, and he, and that's not resolved by the end of the episode. Right. I mean, right. they're kissing and he's just like gross and you know, does he completely buy it? I don't think so, but not at all. And I guess that's the thing. It's like, he is an ass at the beginning. Absolutely. But I think in the last scene, he's just being honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think he's trying to do anything else. I right. mean, until he makes a comment about, you know, like Dee Dee said, you were the best kisser she's ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily going to happy places right away in the relationship based on how this went in the last scene, I would say. But what did you think overall? Or what were your thoughts on the episode? I enjoyed this episode. I, I, I mm-hmm. thought it was it. There was a lot going on. There was a lot of interplay between the characters. Um, it seemed to me more than we'd gotten in a couple of more recent episodes. So I really liked it. I, I liked this episode. I liked that they brought back Dave Richards again. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I think what did it for me mostly was there were a lot of really great dialogue that kind of was thrown around. Um, and, and it was very, it was done very quickly, very fast. You had to really just watch it and and it was enjoyable to yeah, I agree about that. And I like the little, again, like the little comic bits that were thrown in throughout there. Again with Diane, like Shelley Long does a great job, but just Diane's just overwroughtness, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's difficult to deal with. There was all pl- the characters in this episode are difficult to deal with. Like all the main, like Dave, Sam, and Diane, all of mm-hmm. them in various points are difficult to deal with because Dave, of course, like you said, is an ass, particularly, I think, like at the beginning. Sam, a little bit with the book and then certainly at the end, not understanding why... That, you know, Diane or anyone wouldn't think it's fabulous that he <laughs> was already right. in bed with someone and didn't have sex with her. And then Diane, with all of the hyperbole on they've transcended time and she hates him with the you know white hot intensity of a thousand suns and all of the other drama that she brings to things, they're all just almost impossible, you know. Dave pushes them to that level. He pushes mm-hmm. these characters to these extreme lengths. No, I, I get that. Absolutely. There was one line, too. I don't I don't think we addressed this. Um, but there was one when Diane comes back into the bar and Sam is not back yet. And she asks about him. And, and Carla says, you, you know, why do you feel a case of the nags coming on? <laughs> I, liked, I just like that moment of how of how she she said that and delivered that line. And, and yeah. Diane. It's like, you're right. I mean, that was, I had that coming, you know, because mm-hmm. I were nagging him, you know. Um, but I liked that delivery because it was kind of her being called out for her stuff and Carla yeah. to do it. So it was again, a great way to say it, too. I like that. Yeah. But I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I think, I don't know, there is a funness about Dave, even if a lot of his behavior is unlikable. You know, there's just kind of want to wait and hear what he's going to say. Right. About leopards stripes and going back to the foreshadowing real quick too like mm, i said yeah. I, I do i really do not know what is going to come you know next but i mm-hmm. do know that sam and diane and i'm sure this will be a surprise to no one have a rocky relationship and and we're only what seven episodes in to the second season yeah and seasons are longer back then so you have a full what 22 24 episodes at, at least right yep. yeah yeah and and I'm thinking, oh my God, how much more of this? You know, because <laughs> it, it it it's so it's like up and down, and uh-huh. and in a way, this episode kind of seemed to be making fun of that, you know, almost like 
a, a, a knowing wink to the audience of, oh, yeah, you know, give them 24 hours. Yeah. They're going to fight about the fact that they have never had a fight. You know, they're going to it's just that they're at that level of of, of almost immaturity, you know, and uh-huh. to me, I, I don't know. I kind of saw it as like a, a wink to the audience of, yeah, we know you're getting tired of this. And, we, you know, yeah, possibly, going on, right? you're, you know, we're going to keep going, basically. Uh-huh. No, I think that's a great point. That's really true. It's kind of it's representative of of that, I think, going forward. That will do it for us today. You can find us on Facebook, Norm, a Cheers podcast, and on Twitter at Cheers underscore Norm. You can listen to or download old and new episodes at the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and Spotify. Leave us a like and comment and join in on our community there. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to Norm, a Cheers podcast. We are co-hosting a weekly discussion of the television show Cheers, which aired on NBC from 1982 to 1993. We are your hosts, Marlene Stemmy and Andy Blaker. How's it going today, Andy? Hey, it's great. How are you? I'm doing well also. Thank you. We are getting you know, fairly well into season two. We're now on episode eight of season two of Cheers, and it is called Manager Coach. It's written by Earl Pomerantz, directed by James Burroughs, and it aired for the first time on November 24th, 1983. Our log line for this episode is, Coach becomes the manager of an up-and-coming Little League team. Sam thinks that Coach's new role add value to his life outside the bar, but Sam and Diane become concerned when Coach's zeal to win eclipses his love for the game and turns him into a demanding and unforgiving coach that his young team members despise. In side stories, Cliff is the recipient of a raise at the post office and offers to lend Norm money to help him get by, and Carla deals with breastfeeding her new baby while at work. We start with a teaser that is just a little independent story from our episode, and it begins with one of Carla's daughters calling the bar to tell Carla that the new baby won't stop crying. And so Carla sings a lullaby to the, um, the baby over the phone, and she's Tura Lura Lura, an Irish lullaby. And everybody's watching her. Sam is kind of swaying along, and then Norm starts to sing. And, you know, Carla holds the phone closer to Norm, and everybody kind of gathers and is quietly singing. Carla then reports that the baby's asleep. And then they scream and yell, yay! And, you know, Norm and Cliff are slapping hands and high fiving. <laughs> it's so startling that Carla almost drops the phone, and then the baby, of course, is woken up. What did you think of this teaser? Well, okay, this this may be in my own head. Have, have we seen this scene before from another earlier episode? Because I could have sworn mm-hmm. we'd seen this as an indi- as a scene from another one as before. Yeah. Really? Unless I'm just having a remember. bizarre case of deja vu, which is entirely possible, but I wrote that down. The it notes maybe. I instantly really? seem to recognize this mm-hmm. scene from something in season 1. But she had the baby in season 2. Like early season That's two. That's true. That is true. It it does. I, I know what you mean. Though it does have the feel of something we've seen before. And it we certainly did have that instance of the the scene, you know, with the 
the, the Cheers regular that got the job at the DNA research lab, the janitor at the DNA research lab, mm-hmm. you know, that they used twice, like, or like filmed twice in season one. So I could see why, yeah. you know, that might be a possibility. I, okay, you know, yeah, you're right about the baby, obviously. I could have sworn that we'd seen this scene before, but maybe oh. I just saw it in a montage of some sort and didn't process it oh, right or whatever huh. but anyway there is. It's, <laughs> That's it's a good scene I, I, it's a funny it's scene and and yeah yeah it's a great scene I, I thought i like i said i could have sworn i'd seen it before but i really i enjoyed it and that was one reason i mm-hmm. thought it stood out to me well i know that they show um they have a retrospective when they get to the 200th show hmm and they have a segment in that of singing, which I love. I really like it when they sing on the show. It's they're usually just kind of interesting, warm, you know, or funny little moments, mm-hmm. uh, like this one. But this is, I believe, it's one of the ones that they show. So I wonder if you saw that at some it's point. It's entire, yeah. It's entirely possible. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's interesting though. I like that Norm is the first one to start harmonizing and singing along with Carla. I thought that that was sort of sweet. That it, he's the one that picks up the tune. Right. Yeah, it's, it is. It's it's true. Yeah. And they all, they have nice singing voices for a bar full of people, I thought, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. And they can all just spontaneously start, you know, harmonizing Enjoy. together. <laughs> I like that it goes from being, like, just very warm into just, you know, I mean, it's still warm, but they're cheering like they've won some sort of sporting contest. Right. <laughs> when the baby's asleep. So it just changes the tone of it. Yeah. But yeah, I really enjoyed that teaser. Oh. So then at the beginning of the episode, we start with Cliff coming in and he announces that he's gotten a raise from the post office and he offers to make Norm a loan of $500. And, you know, Cliff is, it seems like he's kind of proud of himself for offering this to Norm and thinking that Norm, of course, is going to be hesitant to, to accept it. But Norm accepts immediately, you know, kind of <laughs> with wide-eyed enthusiasm. <laughs> What did you think of all of that? Because, I mean, it seems to me like Cliff is, it's clearly that he's just, just making a gesture once we see Norm's reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked I liked this bit. I like how they carry it through the episode. I thought it was really good. Um, you know, he's obviously in a desperate place, and he's not above, he, he doesn't worry about his pride in this case. You know, he, it objectively would be helpful to him, so he's going to take it out. And when Cliff's trying to talk him out of it, as you can see, you know, about friendship and everything, he's just, he's mm-hmm. like, no, right. I'm totally in for it. Doesn't bother me at all. So I, I liked how they <laughs> kind of turned that around on us. Oh, yeah, I do too. And I like that Norm is so open about it, you know, in his situation. He's not particularly, I mean, not that he should be ashamed of it, but he's not really embarrassed that he's kind of down and out and it's an interesting continuation of I think of his story without it being overdone you know, right like we know that he's sort of in a in a bad place right yeah. yeah so following that we have a man named Mort comes in and he's asking Sam to manage his kids baseball team and he thinks that the team has a real chance of winning the pennant and then of course we have this you know comment from Sam Diane walks by he says he's Sam says he spends half his time trying to keep the bar on its feet another half trying to keep Diane off of hers <laughs> Sam asks around, and Coach says that he's like, I have a crazy idea, and he volunteers himself. And then we have this little change, Sam saying that it's not a crazy idea, it's a great idea. And then Coach, it's like, well, I knew it was either one or the other. <laughs> so, yeah. in his Coach way. But he's a little bit, you know, Coach is a little bit hesitant. He says the highest he ever got in baseball was third base coach, but Sam talks him into it. During this time, Diane is kind of starting to protest, or you can sense that. She wants to talk to Sam, you know, before Coach makes a decision and so forth. Mm -hmm. 
And then after Coach takes the job, she says that she senses disaster, <laughs> of course, and Coach managing the Little League team. And then we have what I think is kind of an interesting character bit. When Sam's saying it would give Coach something to do and that his home life is a can of SpaghettiOs and reruns of Beretta. You know, so he's kind of like learning through Sam that Coach's life, I mean, which we sort of knew that it was primarily at the bar, but he doesn't do too much outside of that. I mean, he seems content, but Sam thinks he could do something else, I think, that would be a little more enlivening for him. Yeah, and, and I, when I was watching it, I, I didn't quite understand why Diane, as she said, you know, had this funny feeling that it was going to be a disaster right off the bat, you know? I mean, I feel like we haven't really seen anything from him to this point that would think, oh, it's going to be a terrible idea, you know? I mean, yeah, he's, you know, you know, befuddled most of the time and everything, but he's a genuinely helpful you know, good person. So it kind of seemed like, well, what's your hesitation with him, you know, doing the team? And then, I mean, she explains it a little bit, the fact that he's not, you know, been a manager per se before, or, you know, he's always worked for someone. Um, but, you know, it, it kind of seemed like a little premature, her reaction, I thought. Yeah, I agree. And I don't know, she seems to think that he doesn't have experience, but I'm not quite sure how she would know about that necessarily. Mm-hmm. Because she says that he's not been in charge himself before, I think. Wasn't that it? Like that he's always worked for other people. Right, right. That's what mm-hmm. she said. Yeah. And then the other thing, when she goes into some of the, like, the rationale with the parents and how, you know, how cruel it can be and how the parents are so demanding and these sorts of things and how high pressure children's sports is, I think that that's probably pretty accurate in a lot of situations but I'm just wondering like how she would know that that just doesn't seem like that would be her you know her feeling (laughs) and so what I thought was going to happen is that we were going to get some story from Diane about a personal experience that she had had as a child you know of some like high pressure situation or something of that sort you know Mm -hmm. that would be like she was working from a personal situation so Mm -hmm. I don't know I was sort of surprised that she didn't go into something she really did just seem to know about this rather than mm-hmm. going into a situation that she had encountered like in ballet or you know or something I, i'm sure she sort, you know i'm sure she read a book about it once you Maybe know that's or saw it. a pbs doc on it or whatever so yeah no um yeah, yeah and actually when she kind of talked that way you know in your in my mind i kind of think oh i know where the episode's gonna go you know it's gonna be coach is gonna be you know completely inept and he's gonna mm. be almost bullied for not being able to coach or manage the team or whatever um which is you know of course not where it goes but um that's kind of what i thought they might be going at yeah. Anyway, I, I guess you couldn't really predict in this one, I couldn't anyway, that he was going to, you know, take charge as he does and have have the issues that the storyline presents. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way, but that does make sense. Because she's talking about, you know, the, yeah, how the parents can be bullying and everything. And right, I'm kind of thinking, right, right. oh, he's going to be out there and make, you know, she's worried that he's going to make a fool of himself. Mm-hmm. And maybe that is what in her mind she's thinking about, but... It doesn't quite work out that way. So anyway, it's interesting because it, it kind of kicked against my expectations of where yeah. I thought it was going to go. I like that because I think there are times when you've seen him take charge before, but it would be mainly with Sam. And then it was just in a very brief moment. So it wasn't in a situation when he was really dealing with a lot of people over a long term. So I like that. Right. I like that it subverted the dominant paradigm there, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so we go on. And Sam is telling Diane that this is a male bonding thing, basically. So we go from Diane's concern to Sam explaining how men bond and that this is a part of him, like this, you know, competition and so forth. And male bonding is part of him that's off hands for her. 
and then we have this back and forth when she says that there are from now on there's a part of her that's hands off to him they continue that sort of thing throughout the episode too that back and forth yeah Carla asks then Carla comes up she asks about uh, breastfeeding her new baby in the bar and the difficulties that she's had you know with um, like like feeding times I guess at home when she's at work and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. and Sam you know at some point just says like I guess it's cheaper than a piano player (laughs) so it's gonna be like the bar's (laughs) entertainment you know right but I thought it was interesting that Sam was open to that. I guess it doesn't surprise me now that we know Sam a little bit, but I could think of people, like we see later on, men that are sort of freaked out by the idea of it, but it was interesting mm-hmm. to me that Sam in that era, what really wasn't, you know. That's true. I, I don't know, you know, in this time in the, you know, mid-80s, if how, how much of an issue that thing was, but I know in recent mm-hmm. years, certainly become an issue much more in, cultural awareness you know what I mean like mm-hmm. this being a thing yeah. that companies try to accommodate and different views by different people on 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 breastfeeding in public and all that sort of stuff but um yeah he's very he's definitely on the uh dare I say progressive side of this issue for <laughs> for 1984 or whatever so you right. know he's he's definitely ahead of the times especially like you said when you look at how some of the other bar patrons react later on when she you know tries to breastfeed so right right <laughs> And then she says at the end, she kind of pens it by saying that her other four kids went right to raw meat. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh. (laughs) So then at this point, we go back to Norman Cliff. (laughs) Cliff comes in, I think, and Norm approaches him just straight away about the $500. And Cliff pulls out a loan application, (laughs) which Norm finds insulting, you know, that he'd have to go through this loan application. And so there's some back and forth again about that. And Cliff hands in the $500. What was your thought on that? It seems like Norm kind of got over the insult pretty quickly. Well, I feel like, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, considering that he's going to be given $500, he probably should. You know what I mean? Okay. (laughs) Get over the insult part. I I like how they carried this whole scene throughout there. You know, he's just, again, not, not that he needs to be, you know you know ashamed of it by any means but he's definitely not too proud to take the money or he just lays it all out on the table about how you know it would be a big help and help pay the bills and everything so yeah i like how they kind of carried it through and i like that you know you only get brief little snippets of this subplot if you will you know what i mean it's not the overall story and and it's not even related to the overall story but it's just i like how they work these little bits in with the main story that you kind of get these little nuggets throughout that to work and sometimes don't in this case i really liked it yeah i i agree and i think sometimes they have them just like for fun and comedy and then other times it is advancing a character's ongoing story and i think in this Mm -hmm. example they've done a nice job with both of those things because we have the you know the back and forth with norman cliff and then norm says that he should get something for vera you know he's naming the things he's going to do with the money so he should get something nice for vera (laughs) And then this, the next part is a little bit absurd, but, you know, if Cliff's saying, how about a candlelit dinner for two? And Norm's like, great, come on, we'll talk about Vera later. And then they yeah. just kind of head up together to Melville's. That's right, that's right. <laughs> like, that's and there there goes fun. probably a good chunk of that $500 loan right there. You right, know, that's exactly. my thinking. I'm like, well, how exactly. expensive is this place? <laughs> I mean, I imagine it's supposed to be, like, I assume, like, fine dining, seafood yeah. dining. Um, fine dining you know. usually means fine money, you know, so it's, exactly. you know. Yeah. <laughs> Right. But Norm is one to, I guess, to celebrate first. Right. Uh, So Coach comes in with his team called the Titans. They're all dressed up in their uniforms. Coach has his matching, you know, manager's uniform. And he has the little boys line up in order. And he introduces Sam and Diane. 
And I, I think we get an indication that Coach is already either changing or maybe pulling out a more assertive part of himself when he's introducing Sam and Diane because he says that Sam was probably the greatest relief pitcher in baseball. And then he hit the bottle and he was through in less than a year. Remember that. <laughs> so he's just basically like unloaded a skeleton from Sam's closet in front of these children. Right. Which seems a little bit severe and not usually how coach is. Right. And right. then, you know, Diane, he just says she's smart. <laughs> so he Yeah, you through. do you do kind of feel right off the bat, I think, that he's you know, you you get the impression that he's changed, and yet at that point you're like, I don't know. It kind of it seemed very rapid to me, you know, that how mm. they brought brought this on, and and very uncharacteristic, I thought too. That was one thing that I kind of felt with this episode. But anyway, we can talk about that toward the end. Okay, yeah, it is a bit of a switch. Be interested to hear more about that. So he introduces coach introduces the boys by their nicknames, and apparently that's what they've been doing so far in practice is coming up with nicknames. And among the boys is at least one that I recognize from much future work, which was Corey yes. Feldman. Yes, yes, yeah. Corey Feldman. Now, so this would have been like right before he did the Goonies, I think, right? I mean, wasn't that, that was in the mid 80s. And this episode was 84? Yes, it was 80, was it 85 that they did the Goonies? I think so. Sometimes okay, so this for was, sure know all the yeah. specifics because there are hardcore Goonies fans out there. So this was 1983. This was like the fall of 83, basically. Mm-hmm. Fall to, you know, yeah. winter. So maybe so, Goonies was 84 then, 84 or 85. Okay. And then that kind of just launched the whole, because he did the Lost Boys and um, mm-hmm. um, License to Drive. He did a whole bunch of those kind of teen kind of movies throughout the, the, the mid to late 80s. So, yeah, very young here. Very young here. I wonder if oh, this yeah. is like one of his first credited appearances. Yeah, I don't know. It must be, though. I or it might it be. I don't know if he, yeah. I really don't know if he was like a child actor before that. But, I mean, he's not given any sort of special billing or anything. So, mm-hmm. if he is listed at the end, that's about it. Yeah, I think I think this really would have been because, you know, he was a child. He did a bunch of commercials and everything, and he appeared around this time. He did appear on, he'd appeared on Mork and Mindy one day at a time. Okay. So he did have a, a few earlier. of those TV yeah. roles before he transitioned over to the big films. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's fun sighting. Mm-hmm. So after the introductions, Diane is pontificating on children and their innocence. And as she's doing this, one of the boys, the one that has the, the spectacles, grabbed her butt. And so Coach yells at him, wants him to stay behind. Other kids file out. Diane is like, at some point in this, she's telling Sam, she's like, well, maybe this will be a good experience for Coach and so forth, you know. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I think he orders the kid that grabbed Diane to go home and tell his mother that he's a flop. Yeah. Like, kicks, kicks, kicks him off of the team, mm-hmm. which Sam found a little harsh. And, you know, it's a, it's a bit much to just for that one thing. And Coach says the kid is leading the league in errors. And he says, the only thing he's had in his hands all week is Diane's keister. <laughs> Which is not really, I think it's funny, but it's not like Coach's usual humor by any means. Right, so. right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we move on. We have in the back of the bar area, Norm and Cliff, they're kind of, they're above a bassinet and <laughs> on the table and they're baby talking, like coochie coochie cooing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This bassinet. And I think they're playing with like the animal. They're playing with something in the bassinet too, aren't they? Just, yeah, I think kinda... it's something hanging over it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and like kind of entertaining what they think is this baby. And so then Carla walks down the hall toward them with the baby. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was a like was it a giraffe that was in the a giraffe that was in the bassinet. 
mm-hmm. they've been playing with the whole time. So, yeah. 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 Which I mean, I don't know. I guess it's embarrassing, but I don't think it's any more embarrassing than Norman Cliff like fawning over a baby, to be honest. Right. Right. Know. What does he say? We were we were talking stupid or we were doing stupid talk or whatever. You didn't call it baby talk, he called it like stupid talk. Stupid, or yeah. Yeah. Carla just kinda casually sits down to breastfeed, you know, starts to pull her shirt out. And Norman Cliff were horrified. Everybody, all the guys that kinda sit in that area are recoiling in, in horror. So Carla goes into Sam's office, and at that point, Alan, I'm not sure if he's Alan yet, but it's the kind of the tertiary barfly that becomes Alan, shows all the guys, he's like, hey, look at this, and shows them like the latest Playboy, you know, (laughs) and they all rush over to see, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of the same thing, I guess, not exactly, but I liked how they did this it is you know first funny yes um and then i i I think it's kind of a self-knowing kind of Mm -hmm. you know pointing out the the hypocrisy of it right i mean which it is you know and and so i liked how they just kind of got that done real quick in that shot you know they instantly go from that to looking at the playboy and and I think people recognized it for what it was, you know, the fact that, oh, yeah, this is, you know, we're, we're laughing at them, you know, not with them in this in this moment. We're laughing at the right. hypocrisy of it. Right. But it wasn't, they didn't belabor it. It was just quick, like you said. So right. you know, I, I, right. I like that a lot as well. So Sam now is talking about how the team, the Little League team, hasn't lost a game since Coach took over. And so Sam thinks that that's really the most important thing. Diane says that Coach is turning into a tyrant. And, you know, Sam is still saying, like, she doesn't understand. It's all about the winning and so forth. And then they have another one of these kind of flirty fighting, I would call it, back and forth exchanges mm-hmm. about winning and losing. <laughs> and she's insisting winning isn't the most important thing. And he says something about, like, well, then you won't mind losing this argument, you know, which I thought was, like, it's a funny comeback. And yeah, then she's, yeah. like, going into over my dead body. And then he says, don't bring last night into this. <laughs> <laughs> they had some good banter here. I they mean, did. you know, it really. I feel like in other episodes it's gotten a little tiring, but in this one, for one reason or another, I I, I enjoyed it more. I thought it worked better. Well, I think one thing about that, because I agree with you, I did, I did too. I think that because that's not the center of the episode, and they're not arguing and bantering about some other issue that is like their plot in the episode, it's not as tiring or overbearing or whatever it is you know it's not too exactly. much because it's just a little side funny playful thing you know right yeah definitely that's how i feel about it at least but yeah so diane says like something about, like that's what it was your last night and so sam is like no i'm joking and capitulates mm-hmm. um so it's it's funny diane seems to hold sex over sam i've noticed but it's still it's funny i guess yeah so. and i mean it definitely you know she well she's smart she knows yeah. his weakness and She's not afraid to exploit it, you know? <laughs> I mean, really. That is true. Yeah. No. And she doesn't seem to mind the banter. She seems to enjoy it as well, I would say. Right, yeah. So, you know, while they're talking about Coach, which was sort of the genesis of all of that, Cliff volunteers, and he, he says something about, like, he wouldn't normally say this about another man, but Coach has the attributes to be a good postal carrier. <laughs> It's something like that. that like, uh-huh. you know, it's just a rare, like a very rare occurrence to find someone that would make a good postal carrier, apparently. Right. Norm has yeah. a funny comeback to that, too. He's, you know, uh, Coach is, uh, Coach, um, Cliff is saying, you know, he's he's this, he's that, you know, and then um, Norm says, yeah, and he also, you know, inability to spell fragile or read the word fragile. <laughs> yes. Yes. That was great. <laughs> that was good. And so then Coach comes in ranting. The team won only by one run. And 
he wants them to crush the other team. So, you know, of course, like if we had to go back into Sam and Diane arguing about what is fun, and Sam is talking about woman's fun. He's like, he's not having, he's having fun. He says he's like, he's not having woman's fun, like laughing and giggling, and he makes something about like running through, was it like the field or something? Like that. Yeah, <laughs> skipping says, rope or skip, you know, yeah. whatever, just very stereotypical kind of, you know, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Like you just imagine like a little girl in a dress like skipping through a sunny field or something, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. in slow motion maybe daffodils he says coach is having men's fun which is working hard and getting the job done and then diane asks if sam believes anything he's saying he's like no i'm lying but that's another men fun thing to do right. <laughs> like he just kind of like immediately picked up that you know part of the conversation and said that so right, so right. he knows so then diane you know earlier i was saying i thought that it was going to kind of come back to her in terms of you know youth sports and it didn't. But here she talks about how obsession is something that she has in common with Coach. She's like, and she needs to talk to him because she's had a similar problem with obsession. And she describes this thing with her apron and how she used to have to have this very specific order of the pens and the pencils and the pad and mm-hmm. that she's more relaxed now, basically. And the order yeah. is not as important. Right. Um, and then she finds, she looks down and sees a combination that she can't take, of course. So we know the obsession is still there. And I get, it's sort of like funny in a Diane you know, kind of kind of way, I suppose. But what I found funny was in the middle of this, Norman Cliff just kind of get up and walk away and mm-hmm. pat Sam on the arm. Yeah, that made it. That uh, that yeah. was great with, with that. And yeah, Herbert's funny too, you know, pen, paper, pad, you know, pen, paper, paper, pad, whatever, uh, <laughs> back pen, and forth papers. like that. You know, it, it, was, it was a funny bit. So yeah, and then Norman Cliff's reactions in the middle with Sam, that made it all. That just enhanced it. It did. Coach comes out. He takes a mouthful of antacid tablets. And Sam's concerned, you know, by his taking all these antacid antacid tablets. And also that he's not working. He's, you know, making his plans because they're going to play the division rivals. Mm -hmm. Sam wants to know if he's going to be working that night and I guess the next day too, probably, if they have this game coming on. It just seems like he's trying. Sam is trying different things to get Coach's attention without really addressing the main issue. Because he's like, I'm going to have to look for somebody else, which you know Sam would never do. Right, Um, right. But he, I think he just – kind of what I thought, though, is that he just doesn't quite know how to approach Coach about mm-hmm. this problem. He's trying to be very casual about it, you know, and, and which makes sense, you know. Mm-hmm. I think he's kind of at a loss of, of why he's being, you know, very different. I mean, his whole disposition is, is very different with all this. And so, yeah, I think he's probably very uncertain about how to, how to approach it. So he's trying to be kind of, you know, funny, kind of casual about it, which I'd probably be the same way in, in some kind of uncomfortable, you know, situation like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then Diane says that she'll talk to him. Sam and Diane go in. They're going to talk to Coach, but Diane's going to do the, the, the talking. And she goes into how childhood is the time when you play a game for the fun of it, you know, and then Coach – all of a sudden just like lights onto that and it's like they're gonna have fun and he's just as intense and just as you know kind of tyrannical but about insisting that they have fun so he's really not changing and then sam kind of sits down he talks to coach about overdoing it i really thought that this was this was a good and kind of insightful scene and probably what sam needed to say to coach for a little while you know in this episode Mm -hmm. because he's talking about how you know maybe coach is behaving this way and is so obsessed with winning in order to make up for not making it into the big leagues, mm. um, which I thought was an interesting observation on Sam's part. And it also it shows you a little bit more about Coach's history and his psychology, too, I thought. 
had we known this bit about him before? Because as I said earlier, it kind of seemed very like, you know, Diane's whole funny feeling, you know, thinking this was going to be a complete Mm -hmm. epic disaster seemed kind of out of nowhere for me. But based on the dialogue that, you know, Sam has with Coach, it seems like, I mean, obviously Sam knows about it. Have we known about it too? I mean, has this been alluded to before? I cannot remember. And this is something that I was, so I've recently thought that you could almost do a, a rewatch of Cheers just from a baseball angle because there's so many things that are said <laughs> about either you know Coach in the early years and Sam throughout about their baseball career that you could kind of put together a history just piece by piece across the years because I don't really remember. I know in season one there were a lot of different references that came up and like references to the playing and coaching days and so forth, but I don't remember if there was something about him not making it. It seems like there was something about him being called up and then going back, but ah, I really, I don't remember if that's, if that's already come up or not. And I just wonder, because like I said, you know, what I said earlier, it seems like if we didn't know, you know, as the viewer before that this had happened, we wouldn't be able to say, oh, well, the reason Coach is, you know, acting this way is because he must be, you know, trying to compensate for a past failure or whatever, right. you know what I mean, which is kind of what we're sort of led to believe by episode's end but to me as a new viewer it kind of came out of left field like we had to we saw the behavior without any clue about why he was acting that way and you know yeah but again that's just that's just me maybe no but I, I, I think that's a good point and I think that even if coach had some history of not making it in the big leagues I, I, I don't think we've seen before that that was really a problem for him mm-hmm like a big problem where it would change his demeanor and make him want to make amends for that now. Right. So it does seem a little bit out of left field. I mean, it just seems like it's ignited something in him that maybe he hasn't known was there or hasn't enacted completely before. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, that's how I saw it more so than, you know, that he's always had this feeling of not making it. Right. And that makes sense. I mean, that's completely understandable. I guess I'm just yeah. wondering from, you know, from the writing perspective, you right, know, what, right, right. you know, which kind of came first. I find that very interesting that Diane would pick up on that seemingly without Right. Maybe maybe she didn't know about that either. Yeah. But I think what you said earlier though about her concern being that it would be this high pressure situation and that maybe the story was going to go off in this direction of him being like overrun and making mistakes and so forth. Right. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Because I, I see Coach, I think we've been presented with Coach that's sort of the way that Sam describes him when he tells him, he said he's, you, were, you were a good coach because you cared, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's the way that Coach has always come across to us so far in the show. Right. Yeah, definitely. I definitely yeah. agree with that. And then Sam talks about Coach um, walking him up and down the locker room before games, making him drink coffee. And I like that, too, because that's another little bit of history. Cheers wasn't the type of show, and it wasn't in the type of era where you'd be like, well, let's have a whole backstory episode, and we're going to have this flashback of Sam's life before Cheers started new, which I think would have been hideous, for one. I just I tend right. to not like that type of thing. But I also like that they were able to work in little bits over time. So you have this profile that you can sort of discover over the years mm-hmm. about Sam and some of his backstory through some of the things that he says and that the other characters say, rather than having to have it like laid out where you know all about his days in baseball when he was drinking or something of that sort. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of put together in little bits. Right, exactly. Yeah, so walking up and down the locker room before games, making him drink coffee, and then Coach says something like, I was a lovely man. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I like that line. <laughs> I did too. 
Um, but he says that now he's a contender, I think, after that. So I don't know. Maybe there is something to this idea that he, you know, is trying to not make up for the past, but like maybe this is like this shot he sees to be the successful person. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, yeah. Um, so we have Carla now coming in. She's going to check on the baby. So we're back to the, you know, the breastfeeding story. And Sam is telling Coach to do what he wants with his team, which I, I feel like that's Sam's ultimate advice to anybody is to do what they want with their lives, you know, mm-hmm. that Coach should do what he wants with his team. Right. Um, so they leave. Carla's burping the baby. It doesn't look like a real baby, but I guess that's not the important thing. I just noticed that when she It, it doesn't. Again. No, it doesn't. I mean, yeah, like... It's obvious it's dull, you know, with the yeah, way she's right. holding it, and it obviously is very lightweight. It's like so a stiff object, and you know, you'd right? be a little, you'd think you'd be a little slower, a little more careful with an actual baby. But then again, I mean, of course, they're probably not going to use a real baby because we got to keep it quiet, you know. And there's, there's no quiet. guarantee it'll it's be quiet. A, it's a quick scene; it doesn't have to act or do anything. Right. So. I mean, it didn't like. It's not like it took me out of that story, but I did notice this time. Mm-hmm. I was like, I did too. It was like a real baby. Um, <laughs> So coach basically, he says he wishes he wishes he could do that, like burp like the baby, because she's you know she's like oh it's all better and the baby feels better, and I think it, I think she calls the baby Lucia. Yes, she, she says does. the name of the baby, which later changes to Lucinda, mm-hmm. which is that it's that same child though. So mm-hmm. they must have kind of added a couple letters, I guess, along the way. <laughs> when coach says he wishes he could burp like that, Carla does the same. She goes over and burps him and says they're there, pats <laughs> him on the back, and coach burps and feels better. <laughs> I like that only because it was Carla and Coach, I think. Like, it was sort of mm-hmm. a sweet moment. You know, he thanks her, and she's like, my pleasure. Which is, Coach is probably the only person that Carla would do that for. Right. It's their own special, you know, affection. Yeah. Yeah, yeah anybody else, she would have just been like, get real, or would have said, you know, would've, right. like, put him off. But because it's Coach, she's going to, you know, mm-hmm. kind of baby him a bit, too. Yeah. So, back in the bar, Sam is telling Diane, like, basically, everybody's happy. So, you know, Coach is happy. The team's happy. They're winning. Just let them do their thing. And then at this point, the team comes in to say that they're miserable and they're going to quit. Coach is yelling. He doesn't believe in quitting and so forth. And he says, no one's quitting. And then we have this one little boy that steps forward and says that he is quitting and that Coach is too hard on him. (laughs) And this part, we dip a little bit into absurdity with this, but I really do like it. I think it's one of the funniest parts in the show, one of the funniest lines. Because this little boy says, I can't sleep. My pets hate me. I'm starting to smoke again. (laughs) (laughs) It's the again part. Again, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like he's like 45 or something. I mean, this is a kid that's, Mm -hmm. you know, like, it has to be under 10, I would say. Right. Yeah. That was a good line. (laughs) (laughs) And then they all quit. In this, you know, Coach, because kids don't quite know what to do. Sam and Diane were kind of coaching him along, and he says he has a story for the boys. And then he's like, asked for a story to tell. So Diane is suggesting a story about a mean guy, and then Sam comes up with one that he knows from Coach's past. So there's a lot of like Sam and Coach referring back to their, you know, pasts and the things that they've known each other, and maybe stories they've told each other before as well um, in this episode that I enjoyed. It's a story about the Pledge of Allegiance. And so Coach is telling this story about someone called Mr. Spires that's making him coach at a pledge in front of the whole school and he just basically drew a blank and couldn't say anything and it's just it's this sort of sad situation I guess that you, you know it's a sort of a standard horror for a child the, the, the teacher saying that no one can leave until he says the pledge and he couldn't remember it and so forth right. um, and then he said it was the worst day of his life and then coach just stopped talking 
And Sam tries to kind of help the story along about like, well, you know, you learned this and you eventually learned the pledge. Like, no, I never did. (laughs) But she learned to respect Mr. Spires. Like, no, I never liked him. And then he's like, he was, he died. And I was glad he died. (laughs) (laughs) He has very strong feelings on this matter. Still. Right. Yeah. You know, Diane comes up with the moral that Coach doesn't want the kids to hate him like he hated Mr. Spires. Mm-hmm. And so then Coach is yelling at the kids. He's changing the rules to make them more fun, you know. So it's kind of a standard little moral of a story at the end, but I still thought it was pretty well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Sam and Diane celebrate having Coach back. And then as part of that celebration, Diane goes on about there being beauty in art and beauty in nature, which neither of which they were discussing. And, but she does say that includes human nature. And yeah. She talks about tolerance and so forth. And then Sam points out that her, you know, her scratch pad, her writing pad is upside down. <laughs> just yeah. to get her to stop. Uh-huh. So she screeches. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> oh, she just had her little spiel going on, you know. They're, uh-huh. you know, waxing poetic as she does. And, oh, you can't help but roll your eyes. I can't when. No, when I can't either. I she know. goes into those little closing monologues. They're not my favorite things, but I do think that Shelley Long is like all in when she has Diane or when she performs as Diane giving those monologues, you know, like there's not really an attempt to try to make her character come across a different way. She's just, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I mean, and that that's good. I mean, she, you know, it, it she's real, you know, she's obnoxious at times. She's, you know, overbearing and everything, but mm-hmm. you also end up, she's a main, you know, protagonist, right? So yeah. you, you can tolerate it pretty far rather than if this were just a, a one-time guest star who was annoying. You know what I mean? Right. So it's, it's a very delicate balance that they, they have her in. And I like so far how, they're pulling it off. They're not afraid to show the ugly side of, of her. Not, I should probably, mm-hmm. ugly is probably extreme, but the annoying, the obnoxious, you know, whatever side. And, right. you know, she just embraces it. That's part of her character. That's who it is. And she plays it well. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, there's acceptance too. Like Sam points out the pad because he doesn't want her to keep talking anymore, but he's not just disgusted and rolling his eyes and like, oh, I can't, why do I put up with it? I mean, it, they're all sort of, you know, accepting yeah. of each other despite their sometimes extreme flaws you know Mm -hmm. and that includes with coach in this episode too i think yeah yeah so overall what did you think about the episode and the various stories therein yeah there's a lot going on here overall i liked it i guess i have trouble wrapping my mind around uh, coach in this role because it's it's pretty extreme for Mm -hmm. for him as a character i feel and i i don't quite feel that we're given enough insight into why he's acting this way i mean i get the fact that you know as sam says he's he might be making up you know he might be compensating for the fact that he never made it into the major leagues so i hear that part but again from everything we've seen from him so far this just seems like quite a departure right and i i kind of feel like it could have been a little milder and we would have still had a good episode there you know what i mean um it, I do. it just goes from zero to 60 and yelling and it, again mm-hmm. it just it seemed a little extreme for me so that turned me off to it a little bit but i liked i liked the plot i liked you know the little bits with um carla and and it's not even a debate it's it's not a debate that carries out over the episode but it's you can tell it's you know a comment it's a commentary on 
breastfeeding in public, really. You know, I like how mm-hmm. they, they bring it up and they make their point and they're done with it, you know, and it's not yes. some bombastic, you know, preachy kind of thing. Nobody has but, to talk to anybody else about what they thought about it, that kind of right, thing. Right, right, exactly, exactly. And I like how they pulled it off and, and I like the point that they made and I liked how... Um, I liked the Cliff and Norm bit with the loan and everything. So I think Mm -hmm. this is a case for me where overall, you know, pretty good episode, but the, the, I preferred the small bits and the one-liners compared to the overall story, the overall main arc for me. Mm -hmm. I did too. And I, I agree entirely with your point about the zero to 60 for coach. It's very black and white. And I think that even if he got to something that extreme, I think that, had we seen some sort of, I mean, I know it's, a, you know, what, however many minutes, 25 maybe minutes, if had we had some sort of gradual transition, mm-hmm. you know, even within that time frame, like just another scene maybe of him sort of in between where he's becoming more intense, then I think it would have been a little bit more believable mm-hmm. or a little bit, you know, better story for him. Right. I think it was a good story, but I just, I do think it's like there, you know, it's almost like there are these two sides of coach and he's going to go from one to the other and then back. And I don't think that makes a lot of sense. It doesn't make him seem as deep of a character, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's a fair uh, point. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, a little bit, almost like a little bit more of a, like a standard story in that way. Like this guy that was nice and then he was mean, but then he learned better and he became, you know, like that sort of thing. And right, right. I think they could have, I think they did a good job. I think it could have been a little bit better had they done a little mm-hmm. bit more, you know. It's one of those episodes that, like I said, there's there's always, in every episode, there's a good, you know, one-liner and a funny little gag or yeah. whatever. But yeah. I, this, for me, definitely not one that I think will stand out when I kind of look back on the overall season mediocre and again not to say bad by any means it's one of those kind of like comfort food you know you go to right. it you know right. kind of what to expect generally and you're going to get what you get from it but it's not for me a standout at all right i agree with that i do like the teaser I've, you know i really i love the teaser with the bar singing and then waking carla's mm-hmm. baby i just think it's like a, you know it's warm it's fun it's kind of everybody there participating in that so that to me was a highlight and then Again, like the you know the side stories, basically, I think more so right. than the main one. Definitely with the teaser, since apparently I I rem- <laughs> fake remembered having seen it before. Right, it I made know that really good of an impression. I'm like, oh, I've seen this before, and I loved it. You know, right. <laughs> so I don't know where that came <laughs> from. Right, it all but, over again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. That will do it for us today. You can find us on Facebook, Norm, a Cheers podcast, and on Twitter at Cheers underscore Norm. You can listen to or download old and new episodes at the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and Spotify. Leave us a like and comment and join in on our community there. Thanks so much for listening.